boy, do I have a deal for you. It's been a tough year, over a year now for everybody, and, and if you're like me, you have dealt with stress by eating a little extra. So today, I want to help you lose your COVID-19, if you know what I mean. I have a deal. Now, I know it's it, like model one of this particular exercise equipment was really good. Well, model two, if you've tried to get it, many of you probably have. You've, you've tried to order it online, and maybe right now you're on a waiting list, and, and you're back ordered by six to nine months. Well, I want you to know that model three is now available, and it hasn't quite got out yet, but you guys are the first to see the model. You see, it's the Peloton 1 was really good. The Peloton 2 was really good, but today I have for you Peloton model number three, and it's special. It's unique, and I have plenty of them. Now, right now, just wait for it because there is more. Because right now, they are on sale, not for 5000 not even for 2000 like Model 1 and Number 2. Right now, you can have it today for the low price of $600. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Now, how many of you guys would like to buy Peloton Number 3? Available to you today. I got one. Good. I'll take it. I'll take it. Let me show you model number three. There it is. <laughs> got plenty of them. Now, for all of you guys who bought this, when you go home, you're going to have to have that conversation with your wife. You know how it goes when somebody knocks on your door and you buy that $5,000 vacuum and then you tell your wife, your wife gets mad at you. And that causes a problem in your relationship. And that anger turns into bitterness. And so you take it out on your kids. And then your kids take it out on your dog. They kick the dog when they get home. It's the way it works. You see, brokenness is a reality in relationships, isn't it? It really is. Today, I want to talk about that. Ernest Hemingway realized this. He wrote a book called The Capital of the World. In that book, he talks about a guy named Paco. And Paco was the son of, a, of kind of a very heavy-handed dad. Paco was a very prevalent name at the time. They lived in Spain. And so when Paco was a teenager, he decided because of his heavy-handedness and because he wanted to be a bullfighter, his dad would never let him be a bullfighter, he ran away and he went to the capital of Spain. He went to Madrid. That's why it's called the capital of the world. And in this tells a story of the dad realizing that his son Paco had run away, followed him all the way to this town of Madrid. Didn't know where his son was, couldn't find him. And so he wrote in the local newspaper this, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the Madrid newspaper office tomorrow at noon. All is forgiven. I love you. Hemingway writes, the next day at noon in front of the newspaper office, there were 800 Pacos, all seeking forgiveness. If we're honest today, we all bring relationships today that are broken. All of us 
have relationships where forgiveness is needed. And all of us have relationships where reconciliation is waiting. Let's be honest today. Who is that for you? You see, the world is full of people in need of forgiveness and reconciliation. It's just the reality of the world. And so today, we're going to continue our series called This is Love. We said this from the beginning. Easter Sunday, we kicked this series off, that when we look at Jesus on the cross, that is love. That is the greatest act of love that will ever happen on this, on this earth. And when we look at Jesus and his love, it transforms everything, us beginning us inwardly. And then as we look at Jesus, it changes the way we see people. It changes the way we treat people. It changes the way we love people. We said together that the best thing we can do for those people that when we're changed, our eyes are changed, and we see people like Jesus sees them, the best thing we can do for them is to give them Jesus and his gospel. We've said that together. And last week we talked about the foundation and some of these tools for reconciliation. This is love. Jesus changes everything. And we started last week a new practice around hope is we value greatly the Word of God. And so we said together, we're going to begin memorizing 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. Now, I said I would call on someone, and I would ask them to stand up and give us, from your memory, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. So here's your chance to shine. Would someone stand and recite 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. Anybody? Anybody? Not everybody. Oh, here we go. Mr. Skip. Hmm. Yeah, thank you, Skip. Verse 9 is this week. May I ask you today to make a commitment to memorize verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 3, which goes on to say this, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. You see, Peter realized that Jesus changes everything. It changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way we see people and respond to people. So I committed last week that today... I would continue this idea of reconciliation in our relationships. So as I thought about this, I, I thought about, like, what are the steps to reconciling relationships in our lives? I began to think about that, and I gathered a pretty lengthy list. And I realized that, you know what? If we were to really give every single step to reconciling our relationships, it would be a really long list. Not only that, it would be different, a little bit different for Every single relationship that's broken in our life, because every one of us is different, those circumstances are different, the things that have happened to cause those, those broke, the brokenness in our lives is different. And so this week, I, I, as I prayed and thought about that, you know what, we need to think of it, you know, as I think of a step, I think of like there's these, there's these stepping stones that you have to follow this exact way. And so if today, instead of talking about the steps to reconciling, I want to talk about the pathway to reconciling. You see, there is a pathway. As I think about that, I think of the mountains, and you're kind of walking up, and there's a wider way. There is one way to reconciling, but there's a little bit of latitude 
in the journey. Are you with me? And so today, I'll, that's what I want to talk about, the pathway to reconciling relationships. I'd love for you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. One of these verses will probably be familiar to you. The context of this is very interesting. 2 Corinthians really is Paul writing to the church of Corinth, who he loved, but there was a rift. Many of the people in Corinth were denying even that Paul was an apostle, that Paul was legit. And so Paul writes 2 Corinthians to reconcile a relationship with his brothers and sisters in Corinth. And so this whole letter really is built on Paul saying, look, we are not seeing eye to eye. Something has happened in our relationship, and we need to experience reconciliation in our life. We're going to start in verse 16 up there on the screen, but may I go back to verse 14 to give a little bit of context? I want to read that for you. He says this, for Christ's love compels us. So right here in verse 14 and 15, Paul is going to give his motivation for the ministry that he does and his motivation for why he would want to be reconciled to the church of Corinth. For, for Christ's love compels us. That very statement is in line with what we've been talking about. When we see the love of Christ, it, show, it, it moves us in a way to, to love Christ and to love others. That word compel is a word, it constrains, it gives us a paradigm. It gives us an arrow to, to go toward. And so when, when, Paul, when Paul experienced Christ personally, he says, for Christ's love, when I see, when I think about the love of Christ, it compels me. Because we are convinced that one died for all, that's Jesus, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So that's what Paul is saying. Look, I have seen and experienced the risen Christ for myself, and it has transformed me, and it has given a mission of reconciling people to God. So he goes on in verse 16, our principal verses for today. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. He says, my vision has changed. The way I see things has changed. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. What an incredible, incredible verse that is. Can we read that again? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone chooses to position themselves with faith in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. And that's what Paul is saying. Look, Jesus changes everything completely. The old has gone and the new has come. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 18, all this is from God who are reconciled who who reconciled us to himself, there's that word reconcile, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, one way, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. 
We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, the very definition of reconciliation is a change in the relationship from broken to restored. So as Paul used that word reconcile, it implies alienation. It implies brokenness. It implies that two parties are at odds, that they are separated. separated. And then to reconcile means that they were, they were alienated and they were brought back together. As I look at this passage, here's one statement I want to give you. Don't miss this. If, if you don't get anything else out of today, get this. Here's the truth of these verses, that it is God's will, that reconciliation is God's will. Are you with me? And reconciliation is our responsibility. Two things. Think about that. Reconciliation is God's will, and it is our responsibility. That's what it says here. God wants us. God went out of his way to send Jesus so that we can be reconciled. And then there's a connector that when we are reconciled, God invites us to be a part of reconciling all the world to himself. And so as we think about our own brokenness, as we think about our own relationships, know this, it is God's will. And I'm seeing right now, I have one particular one that I'm seeing right now, a relationship that I have in my life that for a long time has been broken. I'd encourage you right now to think about that. Know this. As you look at Scripture, know this. It is God's will to bring reconciliation in that relationship. Are you with me? It doesn't matter what happened. God's heart, His will for your life and for that relationship, His will is for reconciliation. And know this. It's our responsibility to work toward it. And that's what I see in this passage, as you think about that, that verse 20, Christ ambassadors, the word is presbuo, ambassador, presbuo. It's also translated elder. As we think about that, and that very word is, is used in Luke chapter 15. Maybe you've heard of Presbyterians. They get the word elder, elder-led. Many churches are elder-led. That's, they use this same term. But in Luke chapter 15, verse, verse 25, is in the context of the prodigal son. And the word used for the older brother is the same word, presbuo. And so in those days, it was the older brother's, the oldest brother's responsibility. If someone went away, one of his sons, one of his brothers, one of his sisters went away, it was the presbuo's, the son's responsibility to keep the family together, and to bring the prodigal back. It was his job to make sure the younger brother comes home. I never really realized, as I studied that word presbuo, in that story, the older brother did the opposite. It's like, why, Jesus? Why? Why, Dad? Why would you go do that? And he's like whining. But in those days, it would have been not the dad's responsibility, the brother's responsibility to make sure that person's come back. He's an ambassador. It's the same word used in 2 Corinthians. He's an ambassador to the lost, and so are we. We're to act as ambassadors who go into a foreign world to tell lost sons and daughters how they can know God once more. 
It's our responsibility. Now, I always say, and you've heard me say before, I'll say it a lot, is we always need to read God's Word in context. So what we're reading here and the reconciliation we're talking about is reconciliation with God and other people's reconciliation with, with God. That's what, that's what it's really talking about here. That's what Paul's talking about. When we are transformed, we invite other people to be transformed and be reconciled to God. But the truth is, how can we lead others to be reconciled to God if we are not reconciled to them first? That's a tough one, right? If we have relationships in our life that are broken, if God's heart is for us to help those people be, and it is, be reconciled to God, how can we do so if we're not reconciled to them first? And so that gets us back to where we are. What, are, what is the pathway to reconciliation according to these verses? It's, by the way, the same pathway of, of our life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's a very simple one. And I thought about this. I, I could give you, I had a big, long list going. I could have given you a big, long list. Here's, here are the steps. But instead, I wanted to give you a memorable way when you have these situations in your life, a memorable way that you can work toward reconciliation in those relationships. By the way, before we jump in, before we dive in, the order here matters greatly. You know, sometimes it's like do these three things and doesn't really matter the order. These, this particular pathway, it is an ABC pathway. It is do one first, do the second next, and do the third. So let's jump in. In verse 16, we see the first is to look up. Look up. It's simple. In verse 16, that's what Paul says. He says that we used to see things differently, but when we saw Jesus, we started seeing him in a different Light. Realize when, when, when I saw, that's what Paul is saying, when I saw Jesus and for all of who he is, I realized that there is hope. I realized that there is a hope of reconciliation for me between myself and God. I realized that when I see Jesus, it changes everything. So what Paul is really saying there is that we and I have gazed upon Jesus. And it changes everything. And this is why it's so important. Is reconciliation, this is why looking up first is so important. Reconciliation will never begin with us. It will always begin with God. That's why we start there. God is the author of reconciliation. It is his heart. And so it begins with him. And so before you can rightly and genuinely move forward to give forgiveness and work toward reconciliation in your life, you have to first Look up and receive it for yourself. Do you see that? We talked about that a little bit last week, but I just remind you, in order to, to move forward in these broken relationships, first, look up. As Paul was reminding, like when we saw Jesus, man, it changed everything. We, we saw something completely different, and it changed our optics. It changed the way we see things. And that leads to verse 17, that verse that we know so well. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And the second thing is this. Look in. And so you look up to God in Jesus Christ. And then it causes you to look inward. And so you don't, don't look out at the people that, that you're thinking about where you have these broken relationships first. Look up to God and then look in. And so in order to see others differently, you have to see yourself 
differently. Because if you have put your faith in Jesus, we talked about last week, that, that theme of Romans, that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so when you have experienced that for yourself and you look inwardly, you do two things. First, you find your identity in Christ. And then you find your mission in Christ. You see, you realize who you are, that I'm no longer that old person. All those ways I used to respond, all those carnal responses in in my life that I used to be, I realize as I look upward at Jesus, I realize that now I am different. I am different. That I am transformed from Jesus inwardly. So you look up and you look in. So you find your identity and you find your mission. And in the midst of, in my life specifically, in this relationship, I have to answer the question in my life. So I think as I look inwardly, and the old is gone, and the new has come, I've got to answer the question for myself, how am I living, and how am I responding, how am I thinking in the old ways? Are you with me? So those that we talked about last week, those things when we respond, how do we respond? Well, we want to have revenge. I want to get back at people. I'm hurt. I want to hurt them back. You see, that's all of us, if we're honest. All those things, we have to, as we look inward, we have to identify those things, and we have to practice what Jesus talked about in Matthew. And this is so difficult. Before we can move forward toward people, we have to do some work inward, and we have to get the log out of our own eye before we get the speck out of someone else's. That's what Jesus said. You see, we have to do some work first. We have, to, we have to do some inward looking, get the log out of our eye. And, and, and we have to know that relationships go both ways. That, that, that many times, if not most of the time, there's something that happened in that relationship. And we probably have a little bit of responsibility in that, sometimes more than others. So we have to think about, like, what's my responsibility? Now, does that make this person, what this person has done to you and to me, does that make it right? No. But what it does, it changes your perspective. And you come in realizing that you're a broken person too. And you realize that hurt people hurt people and you are hurt. And sometimes we do that too. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way. If my sinfulness appears to me to be in any way smaller or less detestable in comparison with the sins of others, I am still not recognizing my sinfulness at all. You see, you realize... And in order for this reconciliation to happen, we have to realize who, who we are in our new identity, but realize, man, we are also walking in the flesh sometimes. And we have to identify that in our life and, and do some business with God before we do business horizontally with others. And then once you look up and once you look in and do those two things, you can see through the lenses of your new creation. Are you with me? Then... You can see and pursue this relationship for reconciliation. That's the third thing we find in verse 18. It is look out. Paul says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this, the ministry of reconciliation. And there it is. It is our responsibility to move toward reconciling these Relationships. I don't know if you've seen the movie Forrest Gump. I've seen it before. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I'll never forget 
Forrest Gump is lifelong friends with Jenny. And she went, in her adult life, she went way off living in sin, all kind of things. And they reconnected, and they ended up going on this journey of where she grew up. And they were right there looking at her home on this farm, just this kind of old, run-down, small, white house. And when she saw it, she began to weep, tears running down her eyes. And you can see in the video the anger on her face. And she began picking up rocks and throwing it at the house. She was so angry as she thought about the abuse that she had from her dad growing up. She began throwing the rocks, picking up rocks and throwing them. They were hitting the siding, and they were breaking the windows. And she was throwing them and throwing them and throwing them. And finally, with Forrest Gump just watching, she got so tired, she just fell down, weeping in her tears. And Forrest Gump gazes down upon her and says this, I guess sometimes there just aren't enough rocks. You see, I've thrown plenty of rocks in my lifetime, this particular one that I'm thinking of. I'm just being transparent with you guys, and that's okay. We're family. We can talk shop together, right? I've thrown plenty of rocks. No no matter how many rocks we throw, it doesn't change the hurt that's happened in our life. It doesn't change the situation that's happened in our life. It doesn't change the memories, the agony, the misery the lessening of thought of ourself, the anguish, doesn't change the torment in this broken relationship. And I know I'm talking to a variety of brokenness out there. I just think in a mind today. I can throw the rocks, but they'll never change. The question is, when throwing stones won't cut it, what do we do? And this is what we do. We forgive. We forgive. Because we can't change whatever's happened in the past, but we can change how we respond to it today. And forgiveness is that pathway. When we look up and see who Jesus is, and we look in and see who we are in him and the mission that we have toward reconciliation, we begin to see with new eyes, and we can look out, and we begin, we can begin to practice what should be true of those who are in Christ. It is true that hurt people hurt people, but it is also true that forgiven people forgive people. And that is the pathway. As we think about these relationships, we must forgive. And what is that? Forgive is literally to let go. It is to send away. It is when we release to the Lord any bitterness that we might feel. It is the willingness to send both the offender and the offense away into the hands of God and trust Him with the rest. Dr. Archibald Hart said it this way, Forgiveness is giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. And there it is. You see, forgiveness is essential. We all need to be forgivers. Psychologists and Scripture alike say that forgiveness is the only cure for the root of bitterness in our life. So today, if you come hurt, broken, and there is some bitterness, in whatever relationship that is, realize that when you look up and see Jesus and you realize who you are in him, you can then move forward and press forward. In acknowledging his forgiveness of you, you can practice it to these people because forgiveness always precedes reconciliation. It is the pathway. In order, whatever that relationship is, forgiveness 
has to happen, and that is something that you can do with the help of Jesus Christ today. You can let go of that. You can embrace what Jesus offers you. You can extend that to whoever that is who has hurt you today. In this passage, I love as we read verses 19 and 20 and 21, there's the, there's the reality that, that it's not us that does the reconciliation. God does the reconciling. But we issue the invitation for whoever that is by forgiving them. We issue that. There's an, the band's going to come, and we're going to have a closing song thinking about this. And I know this is, these are kind of weighty things to think through, but I love that God's Word is so practical for our lives. That God wants you, whether it's your marriage, whether this is your son or daughter, whether this is an uncle or aunt or grandma or grandpa or dad or mom or whoever in your life, that there is brokenness. It can be reconciled today through the wisdom of God's word with the help of the love of Christ and his wisdom. There's an excerpt from a book called Family, Family Ministry. The lady that wrote is Diana Garland. I want to read it. A little bit of old English here, but work with me. She said this, on display in St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin hangs an ancient door with a rough-hewn rectangular opening hacked in the center. The story of this door of reconciliation, quotation marks, and the related Irish expression of chancing one's arm are remarkable and instructive. In 1492, two prominent Irish families, the Ormonds and the Kildares, were in the midst of a bitter feud. Besieged by Gerald Fitzgerald, Earl of Kildare, Sir James Butler, Earl of Ormond, and his followers took refuge in the chapter house of St. Patrick's Cathedral, bolting themselves in. As the siege wore on, she says, the Earl of Kildare concluded the feuding was foolish. Here were two families worshiping the same God in the same church, living in the same country, trying to kill each other. So he called out to Sir James, and as an inscription in St. Patrick says today, undertake on his honor that he should receive no villainy, no villain. Afraid of some further treachery, Ormond did not respond. So Kildare seized his spear, cut a hole in the door, and thrust his hand through the door. And it was grasped by another hand inside the church. The door was opened, and the two men embraced thus ending the family feud. From Kildare's noble gesture came the expression, chancing one's arm. You see, today, I love the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ because he came from heaven to earth to give us a chance. That we might have a chance to have life. That we might experience his forgiveness. Today, if you're here, you've never experienced the forgiveness of Jesus, I hope today that this is your day that you receive that for the first time. It's the greatest gift that's ever been given to you, offered not freely because it's bought with the blood of Jesus, but freely to you by the grace of God today. Would you receive Jesus today? If you'd like to talk more about that, you can take that connection card before you put it in an offering box on the way out. Just on the back, there's a statement. I think it's fine. I would like more information on finding eternal life in Jesus or finding hope in Jesus. I would, love, I would love today. If you circle that, check it, exit, whatever, I promise I will call you today and we'll talk about it. Or just find me, find Blake right here playing this guitar. It would be our honor to talk to you about that, okay? 
But let's realize this. Those of us who have experienced that gift of reconciliation to God through Jesus Christ, today we need to chance our arm in these broken relationships in our lives. God wants to do a work in us. God is not a God of brokenness. He completes us. He gives us wholeness. He satisfies us. And today, I hope, if you come with brokenness, that you leave complete in Christ with some action steps to go and be a minister in reconciliation in those relationships in your life. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you have already done the work of reconciliation in our life. And God, you have called us to do this work. And we can't do it. We acknowledge that. We can't do that by, by ourselves, God. But through you, all things are possible, God. So for these hard, broken relationships in our life, these hard things that we're talking about today, God, we trust you. And we, this week, we choose faith. We choose to step out and put our hand out toward these people in our lives. We ask that you would do your work. We ask that, that you would do what only you can do, that you would restore, that you would reconcile. In Jesus' name we pray.